Well, my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here. And um, I'm just going to start today's teaching with this confession from the very beginning is that, that I suffer from buyer's remorse, okay? From anything I do, whenever I'm going to buy something, especially if it's a larger purchase, man, I do all kinds of research. I get on it. It drives Barb crazy. I get on it. And, you know, well, just go buy it. No, I got to think about this. I got to make sure I'm getting the best deal that I possibly can. And so I research it. And sometimes if it's very big, I, I even wait like 24 hours before I make a decision on, on whether I'm going to purchase it or not. So I get all my research things. And then every once in a while, there's this little voice in my head that says, you know, you deserve this. And so then I really am very cautious. But then I get to a point that I say, okay, I'm going to buy this, and I go ahead and buy it, and I get all excited about it, and the joy is fleeting, you know? And I, I don't know if I really even needed that. I don't know if you suffer from that, that at all, but you know, maybe it's even with your children. Maybe you go and buy your, your kids a present, and they get all excited. You see the joy in their face, and then, you know, in 30 minutes, they're playing with the box that it came in. And you're wondering, why in the world did I do all of that? I, I just, you know, I kind of struggle with this. Another thing that I do is, uh, it, this actually happened quite a while back. I, I was traveling with Upward and, and, and going all over the country and up in Michigan and what have you, and I decided to do all this traveling, I needed a brand new car. I had never, I, it's been forever since I had bought a brand new car. And so I, I researched and, and found the best deal. I made a deal over, the, this was really before internet stuff was really happening a lot. And so uh, I, I found this, this Jeep Liberty, brand new, down in Columbus, uh, Indiana. And I decided, I, and I purchased it. And so I went down and got it. Man, I was so excited about this car. I brought it back. You know, it was my, one of the first brand new cars. It smelled that new, you know, car smell. Uh, this is awesome. And, and so I had it a week or two, you know, I made sure it was all clean all the time, you know, I wouldn't let the kids or anybody in it and what have you, and, and, and so the dogs were definitely off limits. And so I, I'm walking the dogs one time, and I'm going down the neighborhood, and I'm walking, I turn the corner, and in one of my neighbor's driveway is a brand new Jeep Wrangler four-door, three-inch lift kit, fancy wheels, oversized tires, and I'm thinking... Man, why did I buy that sucky old Jeep Liberty? I mean, you know, I don't know. Is it, is it just me? But there's something about that whole thing, you know? And, and, and so I, I struggle with this whole money thing and this whole buying stuff and, and whatever it is. And so here we are in this series that we're talking about, this Make Space. And basically, it's, a, it's part of our margin series. We started off the year talking about margin, how we had to have margin. If we want to live our best life, we have to have margin in our in our lives and in community and, and space and, and not be busy all the time and all our busyness. And now we said, you know what? Let's just talk about that with our finances. And why anybody wants to talk about finances right after Easter is beyond me. You know, we said, why? <laughs> but this was just happened to say, we said, this is a great time for us because it's one of those things that we have to talk about. And I'll be honest with you, I hate talking about money. And I hated going to church when they talked about Money. It was just one of, one of those things. And, and it, but it's something, when you think about money, it's something that we all have to deal with. It's something that we are on a daily basis having to deal with. And this series isn't necessarily about generosity, although we will talk about generosity through, through this thing. This is really about us just being good stewards on what God has given us. It's about being better with money because we all have these kind of problems. We all have these things to deal with it. So we thought if we can get healthy in, our, in the way that we handle money, it's just going to be better for us in our whole life. I actually found some stats I want to share with you. I, it, this just kind of blew me away. Here's some of the stats I, I, I researched this, this, this last week. Years of research continue to identify money 
as the top stressor in the U.S., with 90% of individuals linking money to their stress levels. Crazy, isn't it? Listen to this. Financial stress affects 72% of millennials, 68% of Gen Z, 62% of Gen X, and 46% of baby boomers. There's a lot of stress when it comes to talking about money. There's a lot of stress of how we handle money or, or, or what is actually happening in our lives. 68% of women and 56% of men lose sleep occasionally because of financial worries. And then this one. About 31% of the surveyed Americans could not come up with $2,000 if an emergency were to arise within the next month while 47% of U.S. adults had not set aside an emergency fund that would cover three months' worth of expenses. Those are some scary stats. And we said, if we can just talk about this, if we can start having a conversation about how we handle our money, it is so important for us that if we can get healthy with our money, it's going to affect other areas of our lives. It's going to be affect our, our relationships. It's going to affect anything that we, we do as we're trying to navigate this whole thing that we call life. And I believe that we can all take steps in handling our money better. And we also know that it was important to God and it's important to Jesus because there's over 2,300 verses on, on money and possessions and, and wealth. It's talked about a lot. There's, Jesus spoke about 15% of the times that Jesus spoke, he spoke about money. And I think part of that was because we could relate to it. 11 of the 39 parables that Jesus taught on was specifically about finances, about money, how we handle our money. And that is just what we have to, to, to do on a daily basis, isn't it? It's something that we can truly relate to, and there's some kind of connection between God and our finances, our relationship with him and our finances. And I would argue that this topic, this handling of money is keeping you from the best life that you can live through Jesus. It's, it, it, if we can get this right, I think our relationships are going to go better, our spiritual life is going to go better because it takes some of that pressure and that stress. If we can find some margin, if we can find some of that in our finances, it's going to help us so much. And we are constantly bombarded with, you know what, you need the next new thing. You need something that is actually better. And we feel driven to get more and more and more and make more and more and more. And we get on this whole cycle. And it's exhausting. And it damages us to the point that we can't have a healthy relationship with others and with God. And, and Jesus actually warns us about this very thing. Matthew chapter 6, here's what Jesus says. And we've all heard this I don't know how many times. Matthew 6, verse 19, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. There's something about the things that we want. There's something about those things that we try to achieve and, and to get that just draws us away so often from what God has in store for us, what God has in best. And the whole culture tells us that, you know, your treasure isn't in anything except things. Your, your treasure is in your success. Your treasure is in your job. Your treasure is in the things that you possess. Your treasure is in your children's success. Your treasure is in all of these kind of, of things. And, and God just saying, hey, no, your treasure is in something entirely different than that. And I want you to know that today's teaching isn't going to have a lot of answers about some of this stuff. What I am hoping to do 
and I've challenged myself even through this series, is, is how do we think about our finances? How do we think about our money? How do we think about where our treasures really are? And if we can just kind of wrestle with that, if we can take inventory of our lives, I think we'll come out on the other end in, in, in such a better place than when we started. So we're just going to start asking these questions. What, what does this really mean for us as individuals? What does this really mean for us as a church even? As we've have, had these conversations, we just talked about the Next Gen Initiative and, and the things that we're trying to do, setting ourselves up so we can be the best version of who God is calling us to be as a church to reach the next generation. That's what we are here for. And then Jesus gives us this challenge of asking us, where is our treasure? Where is your treasure? What gets you up in the morning? What is it that you are striving for? What is it that you are, are doing everything you can? You're, you're rearranging your schedule so that you can possess something. What is it that you are doing? What treasure are you actually chasing? Are you getting up in the morning you know, and, and going to, to the place of employment just so you can pay bills or get the next thing? What is it that's driving you? What is it that's making you pursue whatever it is that God is asking you to pursue? And I believe that this series is just asking us to make changes in the way that we think and the way that we handle our finances so that we have more space to live where God wants us to be, in our sweet spot, who he's designed us for, who he, he wants us to be, what he wants us to accomplish, our, our purposes in our lives. So let's just really dive deep and answer the hard questions, the tough questions that he may be asking you and me today in this area of our, of our finances. And as I was searching this week and as I was studying, this verse came up, and, and the, I think the very first question we have to ask ourselves is, are we content? Are you content? And this is an area that I struggle with. Because, again, you know, I look at all these things that there's always, there's, you can always level up. There's always something new. There's always something better. No matter where you are, no matter what kind of lifestyle you live, there's always something that looks good. It catches our eyes. And I have to ask myself, am I content with all of that? Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And Paul is actually writing this from prison. This is Paul, who at one time was at the top of his game, man. He was well-respected in the community. People looked up to him. He was very well-educated, one of the most educated men probably in the community. And he walked around, and, and people looked at him and, and, and with reverence. And here he was. He knew what it was like to be at the top of his game. And he also knew what it was to be at the bottom. This is the same Paul who was left for dead. This is the same Paul who, who was stoned, who was beaten to within an inch of his life. The same Paul who was shipwrecked. And he's saying that I have learned in any of those situations, whether I'm at the top of my game or whether I'm here sitting in prison, I am content. And I had to wonder about myself. Is that true for me? No matter what God throws at me, no matter what life has thrown at me, no matter where I am in my circumstances, no matter where I am, am I content? Is Jesus enough for me no matter what? Or is it more than that? 
And then Paul goes on, this next verse in, in verse 13, and this is a verse, oh man, we take out of context so much. You know, our professional basketball players have this written on their shoes. I can do all things through, <laughs> through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Sounds awesome, isn't it? Man, we can get out and we can get it, and we can. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. We need to question if Paul can be content sitting in prison how in the world does he do that? And he answers us. He says, I can do all this. I can do all this. I can be content in the lowest cir- circumstance. I can be content in any situation that I'm thrown in, even if I don't want to be here, even if, though I know there's something better. I can be content through Christ who strengthens me. His relationship, everything, was about Jesus. Nothing else mattered. His treasure was not on anything of this earth. His treasure was in heaven. That's where we are. We can be content in anything, but are we? Am I content, or do I need stuff to make me happy? And how much stuff do I actually really need? And our, our culture doesn't value contentment. Our culture tells you, man, it's all about impressing others. It's all about keeping up with, with everybody else. Our value is found in our job. Our value is found in, in, in the stuff that we have. Our value is found in the vacations that we get to take. Our value is found in, in what we drive, in the house that we live in, the communities that we live in. Our, our value is, <laughs> is found on how good our kids are in sports or in school. What is our treasure, and are we content? Because, you see, God values the way that we live, the way that we pursue our purpose, the way we pursue our, uh, the way that he has designed us. I want to go back to verse 12. Listen to this, what Paul says. I have learned, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. See, there's something special about being content whether it's in need or whether it's in plenty. And Paul says, we don't, we don't start there. You don't have to be around a two-year-old very, very long until you realize it's all about them. It's mine, 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 you know? And that's the way we live. Some of us never get out of that, and we revert back to that so often. I catch myself all the time doing that kind of thing. But Paul says there's something that we can learn here. This is, this is an attribute that as followers of Jesus, we can actually learn to do, that we can learn to be content, and we need to learn to be content. So how do we do that? And so for the rest of the time, I just want to walk through three ways that I think that can help us start down that path of living in contentment, the way God in, wants us to. And the very first one is this one. Refuse to trade self for stuff. Mark says, that, says what good is it for you to gain the whole world but yet forfeit your soul? What good is it for you to have everything that is out there in the world, but yet forfeit your soul? And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, we've been walking through, maybe some of you are on the online campus and walked through, the, through Judah Smith's book, you know, How's Your Soul? And this kind of just jumped out at me, because I always looked at this verse about gaining the whole world and losing our soul as far as, as maybe your salvation or, or not making it to heaven. And I don't think that's what, we're, what he's saying here at all. I think there's something about our soul that, you know, we, we want to live in this peace and this contentment and this... And if we start chasing all these other things, all of a sudden the peace isn't there, the contentment isn't there, we're just always frustrated, we're always angry. 
because our soul isn't at rest, because we have our eyes on the wrong treasure. We're chasing the wrong thing. We've got to make sure that it's not about that. And there's a whole recurring theme in Scripture about this treasure, about chasing, pursuing material things. And again, it's not that material things are, are, are bad. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. It's just our identity and, our, and the way we think and what we pursue, what we are wholeheartedly chasing is what the problem is here. And it's understandable because we all want to prove ourselves, don't we? We don't want to look bad to our families, our spouses, our, our neighbors, whatever. We're, we're always looking for something that, you know, maybe is better and more accomplished because it makes us feel good about ourselves. And we compare ourselves to others, and, and there's never been a time in history that it's so easy to compare yourself. You know, you don't, don't take the kind of vacation someone else does. You don't, you don't have that kind of house and, because we all see their, their highlight reels. And I'm telling you, there are highlight reels that are on social media. And we say, well, I'm just not doing very well because I don't have that. I'm not keeping up with that. And then we start feeling bad about ourselves. Our identity starts being linked to that. The other thing that happens is we want to give our kids all the opportunity, which is a great, it's a great thing. We want to give our kids the best opportunity. We want them to have more than us. But what is it that our kids really need? And we tried to touch this. Trevor tried to touch on this during, during our margin series before. And, and are we placing on them the same expectations of, of what this culture and this world is saying is that you've got to be the best at what you're doing. You've got to be the best at this, this sport. You've got to be the best in your grades. And, and we take all that, and then we don't give them any margin in their lives to do anything else. That their community and their friendships are not there anymore. Because we have the same expectations of chasing a treasure that isn't going to last. What are we showing our kids that we're chasing, subconsciously or actually telling them, oh, this is what's important in life. And there's something about this money and possessions that, we'll, that we tie into, that's how we are winning in life. And I just don't believe that's the case. I, one, of the, one of the articles I read, the author said this, and I love this. He said, as long as you confuse your self-worth with your net worth, you're always going to be chasing the next dollar. As long as you confuse your self-worth with your net worth, you're going down the wrong path. And again, we develop all of who we are, our value in ourselves and our identity in ourselves with all the things, you know, our job, our career, our money that we make, the houses we live in and whatever, and then something tragic happens. Our identity is placed in something like that and then we lose a job. Our identity is placed in that, and, and, and something new comes up that, you know what, I just can't keep up with everything. A, a medical bill comes in, and, and now all of a sudden we're, we're struggling because our identity is, is tied up into everything out here of, of money and possessions and things, and, and when it all starts falling apart, then we lose ourselves. Our identity gets rocked, and we feel like a, a, a failure. We have to go back to what is the most important thing in my life. Where is it I'm devoting my time and my resources and my finances to? And does it align to that? What is the most important thing for me as an individual, as a follower of Jesus? And do I even find joy in what I am doing? And it's time for us just to take a, a breath. Did you know that you are the one that he loves? 
It's why we spent so much time. Your identity is not in any of this other stuff. Your identity is not in your career. It's not in, 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 in the house you live in, in any of those kind of things. Your identity is in Jesus. And when we can start from there, I'm telling you, it changes everything. Don't lose yourself. Don't lose your identity in the things of this world. Find out where your treasures are. That's the first shift. The next shift in our thinking has to come from um, what's driving us. And, and I love this statement. I think Bruce said this a, a, a few years ago in one of the teachings he had, is we need to love people and use money. And I love that. And we get it backwards so many times as well. We, we use people and we love money. You may work for an organization or a company that, you know, you think, well, you know what, I think they love money and they're using me or they're using all of us. And it doesn't set well, does it? And it's all because there's this underlying issue of, of it's all about, about the, the bottom line and there's this underlying, underlying selfishness there. It's about me, me, me. Paul, again, writing to Timothy in, in, in chapter 6, says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Getting us back again to what the contentment is. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Paul again saying there's something special about Jesus' followers being content with where they are in life. He goes on in verse 9, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. And again, it's about a mindset. And then the verse that we probably all know, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You see, the money is neutral. Money isn't good or bad. It can be used for good and or bad, but it's this love of money. It's this pursuit of, it's, it's, it's this consuming of, that's my treasure, is what is the ruin of us. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, listen to this, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with so many sorrows. And we see this happen so many times with people. As they start chasing other things, they start wondering where their treasure is and they start chasing these other treasures. And they start wandering from the faith. And it's no longer as important. There's this battle going on. It's why scripture tells us we can't serve two masters. And I want you to understand, this is not about having money. This is not about, about possessions. It's not about whether you can live in a nice house or drive a nice car. This is, a, this is all about the attitude of what we're chasing and what, pursu what we're pursuing. There's nothing wrong with those things as long as our perspective, as long as, as, as our character is, is where it needs to be. And what we are chasing is, is what's important. It's about our priorities. Jordan said it last week, is that we got to start with the understanding that everything we have, every good thing we have, everything is all of God's. And God, here it is. Money doesn't bring us happiness. Oh, but Brad, if I'm going to be miserable, I'd rather do it driving a nice car. <laughs> or if I'm going to be miserable, I might as well do it in a nice house, you know? And I, you get that. But we all know someone who's so... Who, who's filthy rich, that are, they're just the most miserable people to be around, don't we? It's, again, it's about priorities, it's about all these things. The first shift is, not, is, is knowing what your identity is in Jesus. The second shift is, is loving people and using money. And then the last thing is this, as we've got to get our, get our minds around our possessions and our things. Enjoy 
what you have. You see, appreciation for what we already have is the best way to control the desire to have more. Appreciation, oh man, I tell you, it changes everything. There's a piece of scripture I want to read you, and, and I was just going to read like a couple of verses for this, and it was so good, I, I just had to go through the whole thing. It's actually in Ecclesiastes, and Solomon is writing it. And, and some will say that Solomon is, to this day, the richest man who has ever lived. He, he, he makes Musk and Bezos look like they don't have any money, okay? This dude is wealthy. So here's what he has to say about being wealthy. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. And let's just all be honest. I'm as guilty as this as anyone. Again, we talked about it last week. Is we just think if we just had a little bit more, if we could just have a little bit more, if we could just make a little bit more, more money, that's when I'm going to be happy. If I could just get to this level, then I'm going to be happy. And Solomon's saying that's not where it starts. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. And there's this idea of contentment once again. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. There's another serious problem I've seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the Savior. Hoarding riches, us trying to, to, to control everything ourselves. And I think what this is talking about is when you start hoarding, when you think that you never have enough, it, it's just a lack of trust of God, that he's not going to provide everything that you need. Now, we have to be wise with everything. There's nothing wrong with being wise with your finances and saving. But when we get to that point that we trust that instead of God, there becomes a problem. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this, too, is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. And that really stuck out to me this week. People leave this world no better off than when they came because they put their stuff, their hope, and treasures instead of relationships. Instead of helping others, instead of making a difference with people around them, including your family, and building into them, and, and we get so busy with our time and so busy with, 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 with all our finances and getting stuff that we don't have time for relationships. We don't have time for the community that is around us. That's what makes a difference. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Have you ever felt that way? Is your soul frustrated, angry, and discouraged more often than not? Then my guess is there's something amiss. He goes on, says, even so, I've noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and accept their lot in life and accept their lot in life, understanding what they are here for, enjoying eating and drinking. And when do you do most of that stuff? With other people. And again, it comes back, I believe, into relationships, contentment in relationship. And it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. And there you go. It's not about, there's nothing wrong with wealth. Enjoy it. 
to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Are you enjoying life so much with how you're living, with what you've got, that there's so much contentment that you can't even think about? It's, go, it's going so well for you right now that you don't even think about your past. Isn't that the way we want to live? And when we can live that way, I'm telling you, it changes not only us, others around us. Say there's something different about them. And they ask, is Jesus doing that? It's amazing. And it all comes down to gratitude. Because gratitude is so powerful. It changes our hearts from wanting the next thing to focusing on what God has already given us and being thankful. It drains greed and enhances joy. Gratitude is amazing. And I want you to understand that gratitude is a choice. It's a choice that each and every one of us can make. In our last house, we used to have this sign in the hallway that said, there is always, always, always something to be thankful for. And I love that. There is always, no matter what you are facing. Uh, about a week and a half ago, it was on a Thursday, I, was, I had one of those days. It was an awful very bad day, okay? And, and it was, it was, I was so frustrated. I was here for 11 hours. We were getting ready for our very first soccer games. I was out trying to paint the fields. Couldn't get it done. The machine was breaking down. It was raining at times. I'm thinking, I just don't want to even be here. I don't know wh why this is going. I was throwing myself this beautiful little pity party. It was awesome. And, and er again, everything was just going wrong. Uh, it was like 9 o'clock before I got out of here at night. And, and, and I was just, I, I'll be honest with you, I there were some words said probably out here on church property that shouldn't be said. I'm just saying, you know? And, and there I was, and, and in the midst of this, and I was frustrated, I was angry, I was mad, I was, and, and this thought came across my mind. At least your house isn't getting bombed, and you know your family's safe. That God, I'm having this perfect little pity party here. I'm mad at you, I'm mad at the world right now. I don't need you trying to give me some wise advice at this stage, okay? I don't need this right now. I just want to continue being mad. There's always, always something to be thankful for. Gratitude is at the, at the base of that. Can we thank him for waking up today? Can we thank him for all the things that he has blessed us with? Can we thank him for our family and for our, our friends? Gratitude will change everything. It will start you on the path to contentment with what you already have. And so I want to give you a next step today before we leave. And this is it. And this is a weird one. And I know this is something that if I was sitting there, I'd say, I'm not doing that because I'm not a journaler. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a gratitude journal this week. I, I, it may be on the back of an envelope. It may be back, uh, back of a receipt. I don't care where it is. But I want you to physically, everyone, to physically write down what I'm grateful for. And I'm telling you, it's going to change you. I promise you it will change you. Just start and start adding to it. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for my, my wife. I'm grateful for, for whatever it is. And when you start changing your mindset about being grateful, I'm telling you, it changes the way you see everything. I want to leave you with this statement. God doesn't mind you having good stuff. He just doesn't want your stuff to have you. Let's be grateful for who we are in Jesus. Grateful that we can use money 
and love people. Grateful that we can enjoy all that God has already given us. And when we are grateful, we will also be content. Let me pray for you. Father, you know how much I struggle with all this. And so many times I forget about everything that you have done in my life and the way that you have just poured out your blessing. And I just ask for forgiveness in those times. So, Father, I just pray that you would just continue to show us where you, in, our, in our lives that you are working and that we will become more and more grateful for all the things that you have done for us. Help us to live contented lives and loving you and loving others being our treasure and our top priority. It's in the amazing name of Jesus that we pray.